after a day two that featured a receiver and a potential starting offensive lineman, the Green Bay Packers and Brian Gutekinst hit it out of the park on day three of the 2022 NFL Draft. You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. Do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh, every day. Touchdown. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. You can follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. All your gambling needs in one place, Bet Online, where the game starts. So the 2022 NFL draft got off to a bit of a bumpy start for me. Obviously, did not like what happened in round one. I am in the minority on that in a lot of cases. I understand that. Really dug what they did on day two. Christian Watson, Sean Ryan. Christian Watson was one of the eh, about dozen guys that I said future Packer, Christian Watson. Sean Ryan was one of my pound the table players in this draft. And so you're going, okay, well, how much better can this can this really get? Well, the answer is a lot because the Packers just kept on going. In the fourth round with 132 overall, the Packers took Romeo Dubs from Nevada, the receiver, who I had said on Twitter, give me Drake Jackson and Romeo Dubs versus the field, versus the 300 other guys who could potentially get drafted. And I would take one of those two guys to be drafted by the Packers. Oprah, It's the Oprah meme where she's like, uh-huh, I told you. This is the perfect fit. And I wouldn't be surprised if in year one, Dubs is the more productive player, just from the, the standpoint of his skill set right now, because I think he, he is a better route runner uh, th- than Christian Watson. I think he's able to win underneath a little bit better. I think he's probably going to be the team's starting punt returner right away. I think he's he's likely more reliable than Amari Rodgers, uh, but I did not expect Amari Rodgers to be as unreliable as he turned out to be. So you hope in year two, he can develop a little bit. The reason I like this with Christian Watson as well is it's not just um, the the idea of, okay, well, you got the speed guy, so now you need the something else guy. No, Dubs can fly 4-4-40, and you see it on tape. He can get vertically and create for your offense. So that is a really important, really impactful thing. But he can also create underneath. I thought they underutilized him as a route runner at the University of Nevada. This is a player that I thought was a mid-day two kind of guy. A top 70 player for me. When I watched him, I was like, I don't know. Why is this guy not a second, third round kind of player? I, 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 don't, I didn't understand it. And I thought he was going to be a great value. If he's going on, you know, in the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, that's awesome value. So that that is what the Packers are getting. He's someone who broke out early, 80th percentile breakout age. You know I love the Dominator ranking, 62nd percentile in Dominator. 
Um, his, his grades by pro football focus got better every year. That's something that I keep an eye on. I don't, you know, the pro football focus grades are not everything, but I'd like to see a guy who, who makes progress. I think that can be a, a touchstone of progress. So you love to see that. Here's, here's the final write-up that I had on Romeo Dubs. Dubs is a smooth operator with a more advanced release package than most players in this class and deep speed to burn even against the bigger programs he faced. His speed is going to play in the NFL. He can get off press with his feet, though I'd like to see him get a little stronger in his upper body to not get worked off his routes. Still, you like his ability to make catches outside his frame and in traffic. He can work the middle of the field from the slot or get vertical from the boundary. Nevada underutilized him as a route runner where he showed the ability to get in and out of breaks with sudden explosive movement skills. He may not be a one, by the way, may not be a one, but can be a very useful secondary receiver. That's a that's a really good football player. And the NFL draft, I know that that sometimes um there are there are certainly uh fans who get frustrated with me because they think I get bogged down with positional value and, and that kind of stuff. Ultimately, what you want is good football players. This is a good football player. He's gonna come in right away and have a chance to contribute to your team. And he's a different kind of player than they had on the roster. He's a different kind of player from Christian Watson. And so even though they're both guys who can get vertically and create for you, it's not a one for one. And I think if you if they both reach their median outcomes, their maximum outcomes, they are guys who can complement one another. And that is essential. We talked about this for months, you guys. Finding players who complement one another at the receiver position. And by the way, they did exactly what we predicted. Early, middle, late. Early second round at 34. Fourth round, seventh round. Almost identical to what Green Bay did in 2014 when they went Devontae Adams, Jared Aberderis, and Jeff Janis. And in fact, some similar players in that Devontae had number one receiver upside. Christian Watson has number one receiver upside. Then you get um, the route runner guy. Jared Aberderis ran a little bit faster than I think he plays. Dubs ran a little bit slower than I think he plays, but but can be someone who can play from the slot, can play outside. And then you've got um, a player in the seventh round who we'll get to that is going to be the developmental player, potential special teams, likely practice squad kind of guy. And I think that makes a lot of sense with how the Packers want to build this thing. So after Romeo Dubs, and this, by the way, the drafts could have ended here and I would have been like, this is great. (laughs) But then, then they went and took another guy. This is at 140 in the fourth round. They take Zach Tom, who I thought was a top 50 player. I thought he was a second round player offensive lineman when I watched him on tape and I got to him very very late in fact I was in Dallas for our locked on live shows and I was having to in the mornings go okay I gotta I gotta catch up on some of this stuff and as we as okay I, I had gotten through all the guys that I, I knew were going to be go on day one and then as every day went I was like okay I gotta catch up on some of these players this was one of those guys and I watched him going wait do I like him more than Sean Ryan, who was my bang the table guy? And and what I came, what conclusion I came to was, yes, yes, I liked him better than Sean Ryan. 
who I watched, I, I mean, I literally watched his tape after I went on this show and, and raved about Sean Ryan. And so this is, this is a pick that I am over the moon about. A 9.56 relative athletic score. The only reason at 6'4", 304, with three years of starting experience in the ACC against top-level competition, stoned Jermaine Johnson, who the, the Jets traded back into the first round to get. The only reason this guy was not a higher pick, I think, number one, he went to Wake. And number two, he's got short arms. Dane Brugler at The Athletic very sheepishly compared him to David Bakhtiari. He was like, hey, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but this is very similar. And we know the Packers have this fourth round track record with these offensive linemen. If you look at his number one athletic comp, it's Joel Batonio, who is an all pro level guard. If you look at his third most close athletic comp, it's Rashawn Slater. And Zach also has longer arms by a quarter of an inch. If you look at the athletic measurables, 92nd percentile speed score, 96th percentile burst score, he can get out the blocks. 95th percentile agility score, it's the feet that make him an excellent pass protector. It's the arms. It's the arms. And he's not just some dancing bear pass protector. He had a 92.1 run grade by Pro Football Focus. I was watching this guy going, what am I missing? How did this guy not already go? How did he not go yesterday? And so this is an absolute steal, an absolute steal of a pick here. Here's this is <laughs> this is what I wrote in my in my notes. The first line of my summary on Zach Tom is what am I missing on Tom? He's got ideal size for his zone blocking scheme, movement skills for days. And despite just being 304, isn't bullied by big ends because of his feet and his technique. This is a really good football player. He's discount Rashawn Slater, having faced some elite pass rushers in the ACC like Jermaine Johnson, who he more than handled in pass pro. He does the thing every team wants, which is protect the QB, and his PFF run grade speaks to his ability to move his feet, wall off defenders, and create running lanes. If he had 34-inch arms, he'd be an easy first-round pick. As it is, I don't know why he's not higher on literally everyone's board. This guy is so good. The only question for me is, where is he going to play? Is he going to play guard? Is he going to play tackle? Is he going to play center? Brian Gutekinds thinks he can play essentially everywhere. He played center in college, played tackle in college. Guess who else did that? Elton Jenkins. I would not be surprised if Zach Tom comes in and, and has the kind of career where everyone goes, wait, why was this guy available in the fourth round? Explain this to me. Explain this to me. All right, a lot more to come on our day three recap of the NFL draft here. Today's episode brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs, the start of Major League Baseball. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering info from live betting to playoff esports and more. Head to the website or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. The Packers were not done. The Packers were not done stealing. Because they got in the fifth round at 179 overall, another player I had in my top 70. Kingsley Enigbari. Apparently, he's going by JJ. 
JJ Anigbari. He is 6'4, 258, and he ran slow. And you go, okay, well, that sucks. He ran slow. He ran in the four nines. I don't care. Put on the tape. Put on the tape. Or you know what? Don't even. Don't even put on the tape. Fourth in QB hits, seventh in pass rush wins. He's got 88 percentile arms. He had a 93 true pass rush grade by Pro Football Focus. He's got a 98th percentile burst score because he jumped extremely well. He has that first step explosion that you want as a pass rusher. I don't care that much about 40 times with pass rushers. I care about 10-yard splits. Now his 10-yard split also not very good. But the explosive measurables, the, the, the broad jump, the vertical jump, I think those are reflective of what he is as a pass rusher. He's got long arms. Um, Ross Uglum, who's going to be on the show tomorrow, uh, talking about Christian Watson, is um, compared him to Zadarius Smith with his ability to win with power and win along the offensive front. I think that's a, that's a, a pretty good comp here. Um, I, I just, I really liked the player. He plays hard. There are the, 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 the things that he can't do are fixable, in my opinion. Here's what I wrote about him. Enigbari is a physical, fun edge player who plays with nasty and desire. You can always use guys who have nasty and desire. This defense is going to hit you. They're going to come at you. He has the requisite length you look for, and although he's never going to be a super bendy pass rusher, he has the strength and flashes polish to improve his hand usage, especially in the run game, to stack and shed defenders. In short, the issues are fixable, and a player who gives this kind of effort on the field likely gives it off the field. He's someone whose sack production doesn't match his QB pressure production and who could become a better pass rusher in the NFL than he was in college. I had a second-round grade on Anigbari, and I am someone who swears, swears by the athletic testing. I swear by the athletic testing. And this was a guy who I watched and went, I kind of just don't care what the 40 time is. I kind of don't care what the RAS is. I just, I I watch him play and I go, this is a good football player. I want him on my team. He also wins in a different kind of way than Preston Smith. In different kind of way than Rashawn Gary. You can line him up as a three tech, as a sub package pass rusher. And now all of a sudden the Packers, they had Devontae Wyatt, who can play the one and the three. They have Kenny Clark. They have, now they have Enigbari who can also rush inside. And you've got three guys who can reduce in there and really create some havoc along the interior. You can get you know, creative with your NASCAR packages and the way that you want to ramp it up on third and eight and get after the quarterback. It just gives you so much flexibility with what you can do and who you can be. And so this is a player that I didn't think would be available to Green Bay in the fifth round. I couldn't believe it when he was still there. And when I was a little surprised when they took him because he doesn't have that top-end athleticism. But I like the comparison to Zadarius Smith from the Packers standpoint because it, it makes, I think, it make more sense when you just go, okay, well, if the idea is, yeah, he can stand guys up on the outside in the running game, use that length, but also on third down, give you some interior pass rush like Zadarius Smith could, 
then I think it makes sense why they said, okay, well, he's not the sort of athletic freak we normally look at on the edge, but because he plays this specific role that we that we lack, it makes sense to do. And on day three, that's when you can take those kinds of swings. That's when you can do that because the opportunity cost is low. We always have to be looking at these picks through the lens of opportunity cost. Yes, getting good football players is good, always. But in the moment, who else could you have gotten? What position do they play? How could they have impacted your team? How close were the grades? How close was consensus on this player? We have to be careful about trusting our eyes too much when it comes to consensus. Traditionally, NFL teams, and this has been studied, when they veer from consensus in a major way, they're almost always wrong. Teams should care about what the consensus is on a player because the further from consensus they are, it is the case that historically they are less likely to hit on those players. Usually you're doing it in in the, I think this guy's much better than he is. It's also the case that fifth round picks are fifth round picks for a reason. I happen to think this is not a fifth round player. I think this is a much better player than he tested. And, and if that's the reason he fell, that's silly. It's silly. Uh, in the seventh, they got Tariq Carpenter, the, the safety from Georgia Tech, who's going to play linebacker for them, um, who I think is special teams only. I don't, I, I, that's why they took him. He's a really good athlete who is going to play special teams for them. And that's fine. He had the great picture uh, of him in the in the 2010 um, Super Bowl jersey or Super Bowl T-shirt. Made everyone feel pretty old. And he's, he's stoked to be here. And I, I, I kind of joked. Like this is just give Rich Bisaccia the, the seventh round. But then they took Jonathan Ford. Defensive lineman from Miami, who I believe was 330th on the ESPN board. And the reason that they did, I'm sure, is yes, he's an interior defensive lineman, but he played on special teams. He played on field goal. He played on punt. He can, like the Packers' Tyler Lancaster was a disaster as a protector on, on the in the kicking game. Well, if you have someone like this who has experience there, that that has some value. This is all about what you can get from your special teams or some sort of upside play. And that's what that's what they're getting. I think they could get more out of Rashid Walker. Rashid Walker is an experienced offensive tackle, 32 career starts, played left tackle at Penn State. Didn't get better the way that you would want him to, but played against premier competition at Ohio State, at Michigan, at Wisconsin, at Minnesota. So he saw guys like Boye Mafe. He saw Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo. He saw the, the premier pass rushers at Ohio State over the last few years. The, the complex defenses that Wisconsin runs. He saw the, the Arnold Ebiketti in practice every day. There's value in that. This is a big 6'6", 324, a big mean dude. That's what he is. A big nasty guy in, in a, the best way. He is physical. 
He's not the best lateral mover, which is not ideal for the for the Packers run schemes. But I think this is a guy who can stick in the NFL. I think he is. I think he's an NFL player. I think he's going to make the team. And this offensive line group, you guys, I, I am I'm I'm excited about it. This is the most talented this offensive line group has had in a long time from from left to right and then back again with backups. It's really good. And and they like Royce Newman. That's the thing. They like Royce Newman. But he's now like the fifth most talented interior offensive lineman that they have. And eh, maybe the fourth. Probably the fifth. Like that's that's pretty good. He started a bunch of games last year for the Packers as a rookie, won that job outright. So, and then you you add someone like this who was, I believe, 114th on the athletic consensus board, a fourth round player. I thought he was a fourth round player. Let me let me read read my report on him. Walker's a physical mauling tackle who has issues moving laterally. He's nasty and powerful in his upper body and can handle bull rushers as well as destroy guys in the run game. He had a clip go viral of him pancaking up. I believe it was a Maryland defender. And then, well, you can find the clip. <laughs> there are also some potential attitude issues. And he didn't get better at school. That is something that, that concerns me. At this point, it seems like he is what he is. Though some of his pass rush struggles can be fixed with some better technique. He's a low-end starter on the right side, preferably. But is definitely an NFL player. He's the definition of a fourth-round player. That's that's in the seventh round. Hello. That's really good. That's really good. So that's really good value that they're they're getting there. And then the receiver, Samori Toure. I was I was very disappointed to find out that it's not Samurai because it looks S-A-M-O-R-I. I was really hoping it was it was Samurai Torre or something like that. It's not. Samori Toure. But he is an intriguing player. I believe he led the Big Ten in in yards per catch. He was a transfer, and he's got the size six foot one ninety one. Uh, ran in the four fours. He's an older player because of the transfer. He went he went to Montana originally, twenty four years old. This is a I don't want to say a moonshot because that's overstating. I think the the talent, but this is a can he stick on special teams? Is he a practice squad kind of guy? This is your Reggie Bagleton. This is one of those guys who's going to make a bunch of plays in, in practice who you're going to find the clips of him and you're going to go, hey, how about this guy? Awesome name. Awesome. Like objectively awesome name. And he'll, he'll make some, there'll be some buzz about him in practice and everyone's going to go, oh, this is going to be the guy. And then he's going to get cut and wind up on the practice squad and that'll be that. It'll be fun. It'll be, it'll be Jeff Janis all over again. One of the one of the big storylines for me though on day three was a position that they didn't draft. We'll talk about that when we come back. But before we do, today's episode brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. It's the best tasting protein bar ever created by God or man. Summer is coming, and with summer, that means you need some food to go places, to go on a picnic, to go to the beach, to go play golf, to go play volleyball, to go for a walk, to go to the park. You need a food on the go that can sustain you, but also make you happy, make you smile, make you enjoy your, your snack, your meal. That's what Built Bar can bring you. It's chocolate. It's chocolate with a protein-packed center, and it tastes good. The consistency is incredible. I'm, I'm blown away every time with their ability to pack all of the nutrients, the high fiber, the high protein, the low net carbs, the low cal, and still have it taste 
great, but they can do it. Go to built.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. And thanks for making Locked On Packers your first listen every day. Now go make your second listen, Locked On NFL. The schedule may be dark, but the NFL never stops, and neither does Locked On NFL. Get insights and opinions from hosts, including our guy Ross Jackson, Chris Carter, Tony Wiggins, and a lot more. There's no offseason for real fans, so make sure you're subscribed to Locked On NFL on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Why did the Packers not take a tight end? This is a little weird. They have Big Bob Tunyon coming back on the ACL. They have Josiah DeGuar. They have Mercedes Lewis. I understand that for 2022, they're pretty well set. What about next year? What about next year at a position where it's really difficult to come in and make a big impact right away? Robert Tunyon was not a good player as a rookie. It took him time to develop. Tight end is notoriously a difficult place for players to come in and have an impact precisely because you got to learn blocking schemes. You got to learn passing schemes. You got to create a a chemistry with your quarterback and you have to create a chemistry with your offensive lineman. You've got to communicate with them. This is not an easy position to just come in and contribute. So what does it look like next year? The Packers are famous among some fans, maybe infamous for overvaluing future value. What do they look like next year and the year after that? And yet this was a spot where I thought for sure they would be looking to add a piece because there isn't much on the roster beyond this year. Josiah DeGuara is the guy, but they want to play in two tight end personnel. Do they just love Dominic Daphne? I, I I don't really understand it. Now, maybe they feel like they can just get someone Maybe they can UDFAs. Maybe they'll sign someone. I mean, Brian Gutekinds, the first big move Brian Brian Gutekinds made uh, as GM was to flop, flop. Well, Freudian slip. It was a flop to flip Jordy Nelson for, for Jimmy Graham, even though it wasn't a trade. That was the deal. It was move on from Jordy Nelson, sign Jimmy Graham. That didn't work out, but it showed a willingness to make a move there which I, I do think can help us inform what we're, what we're thinking about here. I'm just surprised that that's how it played. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised in this way. Um, Zach Tom, awesome pick. Romeo Dubs, awesome pick. Like, they, they still got a ton of value on day three. And I, I'm not, it's just certainly not a complaint. I'm surprised. Now, you, you, someone like Trey Carpenter, that is special teams. Ford, special teams. Toure, maybe special teams. Your tight end, is that's also a special teams player. Almost always your, your third, your fourth tight end, those are special teams players. Now, I, do, I don't think this was a great tight end class after about the fourth round. I guess the guys started flying off the board in the fourth. They went early. You, don't, you didn't have the sort of athletic marvels on day three that you sometimes, you, I would say for a while, you usually got. But then it became obvious that the best way to find tight ends was to just pick the best athletes and let them figure it out. Now, those guys go earlier. And I think college coaches are becoming more aware of, hey, if I just have a tall, big, fast guy, I can put him at tight end and he can eat in the middle of the field. You can scheme tight ends open. Matt LaFleur's offense is great at doing it. So maybe it's just a position that's changing. 
Maybe it's just a position that's changing. We'll see. All right, Ross Uglum is on the show tomorrow from, he is from Packer Report, but also covers the Bison over at 247 Sports. So he knows all about Christian Watson. We're going to get uh, some some double trouble bulldog talk uh, coming up here. We will do a rookie report card on every rookie orientation series on every single player. We will we will devote an episode to that guy to give you at least the the top guys to give you some more insight on who they are, what they are, what they bring and how they can help the 2022 Green Bay Packers and beyond. Follow me on Twitter Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. <laughs>